Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a extremely special guest. I mean, this dude flew in from Baltimore, Maryland this morning to be a guest on the Loan Officer Podcast. He is the one, the only Andrew Wagner. Andrew, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate it. Happy yeah, this, to be here. Yeah, this is going to be super exciting. So you are a fifth-year mortgage professional, mega producer, mega producer. You're not even 30, not even 30 years old. This dude makes more money than heart surgeons. This dude makes more money than software developers. And he slings loans for a living. What was your production the past three years? Do you have an idea of like, what did you fund in 2021 and 22? For my mortgage nerds, I just wanted to put it in perspective for these folks. Yeah, 2020, I closed about 65 million. Okay. Uh, 2021, it went up to 72 million. Okay. And then 2022, last year, closed about 62. Dude, high five. So you, you had a 20% drop where the rest of the industry saw 40 plus percent. That's right. That must be because you still know what it's like to hustle. That's right. Still know what it's like to hustle. What, yeah. um, what drew you to the mortgage industry? Like, what's your story? How did you get started? Because here's what I want to do for the audience today. We're going to be fast. We're going to be to the point. Um, last time I saw Andrew, so he and I, full disclosure, used to work together for the same company. And really cool story. We won a trip to San Juan, Puerto Rico for our Achievers Club. And to tell you the type of dude Andrew is, the dude rolls in there with his pops as his plus one. Like how I thought, honestly, that was one of the coolest things I've seen. You could have picked up any hot chick from Tender and said, hey, look, I won this award. You want to go with me for an all-inclusive paid trip to San Juan, Puerto Rico, by the way, in February when it's butt-ass cold back in Maryland and you brought your pops. Yeah. The Condado Vanderbilt. That's right. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, it, was that a memory that that you think the two of you will still share together, or do you continue to spo to spoil pops? No, it is. It's a memory I definitely still we we share. Um, I have a cool picture from that trip on my desk actually. Do you back at home? Because um, that was kind of like your coming out moment. Like, hey, Dad, look what I did. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that was a you know just just kind of hitting that that top level trajectory. Yeah. Um, and was uh was happy to ever bring them because i mean you know family has a lot to do with your history and getting started in the business and um i think he listened to me for hours and hours talking about things i'm learning and getting started and so forth so it was and he acted interested the whole time him. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so. um no I, I think that's really cool that's just a, a sidebar didn't want to get down that rabbit hole too much with you but i am curious mm -hmm. for the audience like for many of you who are either contemplating getting into the mortgage business as a mortgage loan originator, or you recently did. Like I have told Andrew's story on many episodes because I love how you leveraged working open houses because just five years ago, you were young. You didn't know what you were doing. You were broke and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Today you just rattled off production that literally to put it in perspective for our non-mortgage friends, to do 60, $70 million in one year, there are many mortgage professionals who do that in a decade, right? So Andrew's like, nope, I basically have funded, if I can do some quick math, close to $200 million in volume just over three years. Again, for some people, that's what they do over a 20-year career. You did it in three years and you just got started five years ago. Yep. So my first question was, or still is, 
How did you get started in the mortgage industry? Yeah, no, so got started, um, like pretty much you know, everyone in, says in the industry, I was not planning on getting into the, the business, um, was not my, my first career choice, actually um, you know, worked, in, worked on some technology startups while I was in college and um, always had that entrepreneurial mindset for sure, okay. starting businesses and different, um, you know, different uh, activities to generate some income during college. Uh, so you were hustling in college. Hustling in college, for okay. sure. Yeah, had had the side hustles. Like today, the kids are doing things like drop shipping. Yeah, you know, like like that's oh, a yeah. big I mean, side I, hustle. In my senior year of college, I started a we started a project with my my friend of mine um, called Dirty Dorms, where we would um, advertise on campus that we will take out our um, other dormmates' trash. So oh. we'll go around campus and just charge fifteen dollars a week and would take out their trash. We ended up picking up like probably 40 different dorms. Okay. So that was Yeah. So uh, so you're you're picking up yeah, picking up 300 bucks a week a piece. Yeah. Basically going around taking people's trash out for them cuz they were too lazy to do it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, I love that story because here's what I hear. Oh, he's a hustler. Yeah. Right? He is a hustler. Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Yeah, I think Probably interesting enough, more leaning to on the introvert side. Yeah. I'm a little more reserved in certain situations, but um, I definitely enjoy a business, uh, acquiring uh, new skills and winning. I mean, I think in the mortgage business, you have got to have the desire to be the best, all right, if you're going to succeed at it. And that's something that, you know, I've had since going back to high school. Um, did you play sports? I did. Yeah. So from Baltimore, um, Baltimore city, I played AAU basketball. Okay. So in high school that learned a lot of great things uh, from, from those experiences playing. And, and when you say AAU, to me, that's typically a little bit more elite than the high school program, right? Yeah. yeah. Like if you're playing an AAU team, then you're, you're somewhere where you're starting your high school team and you're contemplating, do I get to play in college? Right. Like. You would play on the high school team, but then in the summer, you're on an AAU team with different circuits and tournaments around D.C., Baltimore. Um, so uh, a lot of great experiences there. Um, yeah, so you're a natural competitor based from some youth experiences. Here's something interesting, and I do need to circle back because I want to I learn how you got in the business, um, but I keep on going down these rabbit holes just due to my natural curiosity taking over. And I heard you describe yourself as being a little bit more reserved, less of an extrovert, a little bit more of an introvert. However, when I hear you put an emphasis on winning, you put an emphasis on making money, mm-hmm. would you say that your desire to earn money is greater than your fear of being uncomfortable, such as making a sales call, making a cold call, giving a public? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So. You may describe yourself as a more of an introvert than, than extrovert, but you have this wildly lit, hot fire of passion and desire as it pertains to making money that you're like, yeah, but I can get past all of that if I know that there's a payday at the end of the at the end of the line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, I didn't think. I mean, for me, um, that just getting that standard job out of college was not something that uh, I necessarily saw myself doing. I was a good student, but I... What'd you study? Studied finance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you knew coming out, like you knew numbers, you were good at math. 
mm-hmm. understood Excel. Yes. Um, and you're like, yeah, I could get a financial analyst job almost anywhere. Yeah. But that's going to be boring. Yeah. It's going to be sitting behind a desk and it's not going to have unlimited income potential. So yeah. you knew enough to say, probably not the road I'm going I'm to take. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, graduated college, needed a job and ended up um, finding basically um, an ad on Indeed where it's with Waterstone Mortgage and... Um, no, that's where you got your start. Yeah. So yep. had no idea what you're doing. No idea. I say that because Waterstone doesn't hire many rookies. Mm-hmm. So the guy or girl who hired you, who placed that ad, that guy or girl, that branch manager was willing to bring huge, on a rookie. Right. Okay. Took a huge leap of faith. Who, who was that person? His name's Todd. Todd. Todd Rayleigh. Todd Rayleigh. Shout out to Todd. <laughs> Because if it wasn't for Todd, Andrew might not be in this industry. Totally. What did the ad say that intrigued you? Yeah, I think that what intrigued me about it was the unlimited potential. Right? Okay. Um, unlimited potential, um, real estate. I mean, I have grew up in Baltimore so um, and had an interest in real estate. I definitely, you know, something I followed in, even in high school and college, like, trends going on in the in the industry yeah so you were intrigued about the wealth that could be made by through yeah. through real estate whether it's commercial or whether it's it's residential whether you're buying it for a primary you're buying it for investment yeah okay yeah. I, I knew i wanted to buy real estate in college and thought that you know the found myself researching in college actually how to get qualified to buy a house okay on my own like yeah like i would do that um, with no intention of getting into the mortgage business, but just for my own sake. Yeah, nerding money. out. Like, You're straight up nerding out. I yeah, love it. Like, how can I buy a house? Yep. You know, um, so did that. Um, I think took the opportunity with, with Waterstone and Todd, and um, that was in July of 2017. I graduated in May of 2017 and uh, got into it. I mean, I, I fell in love with it. It was, uh, it's a tough, tough thing to do getting started from zero, obviously. Um, but if you carry over, you know, a lot of the things that I learned in, um, in life, like work through basketball or um, varying different experiences, I think that you can um, definitely quickly uh, showcase that talent into the mortgage business. And it's a great business to, to do that. And what, what did you, if you can remember this, what did you fund your first 12 months? Yes. So I started in July. I closed my first loan in October. Okay. Remember the deal very well. Um, so it started in July. So you had August, September. So it took you roughly 60 to 90 days. Yeah, about okay. 90 days. Yep. yep. And then December, I closed two deals. Okay. Right? Realtor, referral. Um, and then in 2018, so first full year closed 10 million in production. Nice. And 2018, by the way, boys and girls tuning in, it wasn't a great year. Like 2018 resembled part. It was nowhere near as rough as 2022. Like we didn't have the massive run up in interest rates, but it was still a year in which uh, from a volume standpoint, a profitability standpoint, the mortgage industry didn't have like a banner year. Yeah. And in 2018, if I said 08, I meant 18 and 2018, uh, so 10 million, your first full year, that's impressive. Right. Right. You're 24 years old and I'm guessing you probably made over hundred grand that year or pretty darn close. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned 2018 being a tough year. Like I didn't know that at all. Correct. Like no idea. 
That's wow. why I love loan officers who got started in 2022. I'm like, hell yeah, high five. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? This market's terrible. I go, it's the best market to learn in. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll only know what it means to grind, embrace the suck, and you got to be damn good to succeed in a market like this. So that when the market does normalize, you have laid every foundation necessary to, to become successful. You probably didn't know it, and it wasn't intentional. Timing was in your in your favor. Yeah, you figured out a way to fund 10 million your first full year in a market where many of us, I was included, yeah, my production took a hit in 2018 as it compared to 17, and 2019 was definitely a better year than, than 2018. So yeah, 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 that was uh, so so you literally you you answered a job ad, right? Yeah. That's you answered a job yet a job yet a job ad. Todd brought you in. How did you learn the business? So learned the business um, a lot through mentoring through Todd. Okay. Thankfully. So um, lots of one-on-one -on -one time with him. Lots of one-on-one -on -one time with him. Um, what did he tell you to do? Hey, Andrew, go get a lead and bring it to me and I'll help you. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of very late nights, um, you know, uh, getting a lead, figuring out how to structure it, um, you know, seeing him work deals. And I found myself... Um, you know, having that finance background probably helps a little bit. Yep. Like I knew what just credit meant, credit scores. I know, you know, generally like income, just kind of what that generally looks like. But well, problem solving came natural to you. Yeah. Right. That's why you became a finance major. You are a college graduate. So you have a, an IQ and an aptitude that that may be above average compared to the rest of the American populace. Like you had some DNA working in your favor. Plus that natural curiosity. Yeah. Like, hey, like, hey I want to know the answer to this. I'm willing to research for hours on end. Mm -hmm. What I love what you're saying is you didn't take a magic pill. No one waved a magic wand. You literally had to get a deal and be willing to stay up until midnight, figuring it out. Because as much as Todd helped you, Todd couldn't learn it for you. Right? So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. So, so no Zenix ground school for you. No, nope. no. And the NBA has this, this uh, program people should check out called the uh, school of loan origination. Like if you're a new loan originator, you and your company should look at that course. It's a three week course. It's taught live. I'm actually right now going through it myself as a proctor. I'm just trying to figure out like how good is it? So we're, we're completing week one right now. So shout out to our friends over at the mortgage bankers association, newer, younger loan originators who don't know what you're doing yet. If you want to help being taught the business from an origination standpoint, you should check out School of Loan Origination through the MBA. Or yeah. you can continue to check out Zenix Ground School. That's another one that we are fans of here. But you didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I'm so sorry. I share that with emphasis because a lot of people reach out to us here at the Loan Officer Podcast, whether it's through our YouTube channel or they're going on our website, which shameless plug real quick, theloanofficerpodcast.com. Check it out tons of additional training content, tons of additional resources. Most of it is free. The really, really elite stuff, it's a whopping 25 bucks a month. So check out the website. But when people go on the website or they go on our YouTube channel or they hit me up on LinkedIn, a lot of times I find myself wanting to, to answer, like the answer is this is the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Only the strong survive. Only those that are willing to suck it up buttercup and get through the first two years and no, no one's going to be there to hold your hand and teach you. Good companies will have people to support you. Good companies will point you towards Zenix Ground School or, or the MBA School of Loan Origination. But at the end of the day, it took Andrew Wagner getting a lead and staying up until midnight 
to figure it out. And then I'm guessing making a ton of mistakes. That's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, for sure. I think that you know, starting off, you've got to have somebody right there that you can constantly communicate with and work with. Um, it's not something that you um, are going to be able to I, on completely on your own, like get started in um, having that that person there that has experience um, is extremely valuable getting started and grateful for what I had there. Um, but yeah, I think that going from that year of closing 10 million, building up referral relationships, um, ton of very, very, very late nights and working seven days a week. Um, and, you know, quickly sort of, not necessarily quickly, but over that year, I think that learned like, all right, I actually maybe have even a larger capacity to take on more business um, just for what I desire. Yeah. Like I'm not here just to do, I don't want to just stop it at here, 10. even though 10 I thought yeah. was a great year. Um, what did you do the next year? 45 million. What? Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. Took you Because this is normal, by the way. This is normal of top producers. I should say that. You struggled getting out of the gates, only closed a few loans those, those, those first few months. But by your first full year, you did 10 million. Then you jumped it to 45 million. Where did you focus your effort? Like you're talking, and, and by the way, Andrew, he works for Churchill Mortgage. Yep. He is a producing branch manager. He has three LOs that, that report directly to him. Plus he has his processor and he has two team members on his team that help him with lead intake, help him you know, get his loan structured up and pre-approved, locked in, all that good jazz. Just for those that are playing along at home and trying to figure out, well, how's this guy doing all of it? You didn't have that in the beginning. That was something that you worked towards. But what did you do? If you're mentoring those three LOs back at your branch, or you're talking to the, the tens of thousands of, of, of potential loan officers who are tuning in right now, mm. or who are gonna eventually tune in because they're gonna find this on YouTube in nine months, um, what advice based on your successes would you tell them? How did you go from 10 to 45? What did you do that you're like, you gotta do that if you wanna be successful? Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's, and any LO, I think it's, there's two parts to that. I think one are creating opportunities, right? And that is by making calls, um, you know, letting people know that you're in the business and that you're here to, you're ready to help, you're available to help them and letting us Who would you call? Opportunity. I called realtors. And how did you know those realtors? Looked them up online, just searching people that I thought that I could connect with. Um, I did a lot of a lot of open houses was a huge huge strategy of mine that I just personally um, kind of fell into wasn't like told to me but I, that was something that I viewed as a way to um, you know stand out from the crowd yeah that was part of your sales DNA yeah so um, John and I JC and I have uh, some cool opportunities coming up where we're going to be speaking live in Tampa Florida Orlando Florida Birmingham Atlanta. And I'm already talking about doing something in Dallas and actually Destin. And so we, nice. we're, we're, we're in the, in the works of getting something done for, although Destin's going to be a private event. So Destin mm. and Fort Worth are private events. Those others are going to be public events. And one of the things that I f firmly believe in is something called your sales DNA, right? Your sales DNA is like, Hey, first and foremost, do you homie, like whatever is you, you got to do it. And then these are six strategies that are proven to have worked for decades. Top producer to top producer, top producer, pick two mm -hmm. 
and do them really well. Yeah. You picked open houses. Yeah. It was comfortable for you. Would you cold call an open house? So I would. Like, what, what did that work look like? Like, like, here's what our audience is going to want to know, Andrew. Did you cold call the open house? How many did you do? And how often did you do them? Like, did you do this for, do you still do them? Did you do them for just your first two years? Like, what, briefly kind of walk us through so, that. So, yeah, my strategy with open houses uh, was that on usually by Thursday of every week, you go on Zillow and I okay. could see the every open house that was going on in my zip code for the weekend. And I would just click on them and call the listing agent and be like, hey, Jen, you know, my name's Andrew. I'm calling. I'm a lender in the area. I'd love to come to the open house, help pre-qualify buyers that come in for, you know, to, to look at your property and try to get them pre-qualified to purchase it. I'm happy to bring flyers and some water and um, just be there with you and had good success with, with that strategy. That easy. Yeah. Like every Thursday, pull a list, pick up, click the link, call the listing agent. Yep. What if they told you to go piss off? Yeah, that happened. I mean, some of them, um, you know, you, you kind of just have to shrub off. I think, yeah, I think that, uh, not everybody necessarily wants a lender there for varying reasons, mm -hmm. but, um, but it didn't matter to you. No, no. I mean, I tried not to come across as extremely salesy when I'm even today. Well, you know? and you're not a salesy person. Yeah. So it was more like, I think I kind of just inquired, called and said, Hey, I'm a, made it very clear. I'm a loan officer, but I'm, I want to come to your open house. I'd like to bring some flyers and like be there the entire time. I know some people I think like to like go to stop in multiple open houses on a given day. Like I would spend my entire one to three at, at the house and yeah, so you were there to spend quality time with the agent. Yes. Like at the end of the day, you're there to do what the agent wants. Yeah. Some, yeah. some agents is like, hey, hang out with me and keep me company. Some agents like, look, we're getting slammed. Can you just show this property? Yep. And then, yep. And, and other times you may have actually answered mortgage questions. Yep. Putting the open house sign up, you know, down in the yard outside or going to the top of the block and plugging it in there for them, hanging the balloons, you know, yeah. showing people around the house. Yeah. You were there to help. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's awesome. How many do you think you would do a weekend? Two a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Just one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Mm -hmm. How many weekends in a row did you go? Or how many did you do on average in a month? I, I don't think I missed a weekend for the first six months. I mean, it, wow. was, it was. Okay, so you do six, that's 24. You did 48 open houses in six months. Yeah. Doing yep. some quick math right there. Right. Right, yeah. so, so darn near 60 your first year. Did yeah. you do 60 your following year? Or did you have to start? Start dialing you know, it back. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I dialed it back, um, started getting busy and needed that time to work on other facets of the business other than just doing open houses. You know, I, I had built trust with some of those referral partners already, so I didn't need to do their open house. Uh, so I would say probably after about a year, was able to stop doing them. I don't do them um, right now. Yeah. But... Um, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I think that anything that you can do when you're first getting started to create conversations with referral partners. Uh, I was thinking I have a pretty cool picture that comes up sometimes on my phone and memories where it's um, about 12.30 in the morning and I have a, sitting at a table and I have a stack of envelopes that I literally just stuffed envelopes, hand wrote all the addresses for a mailer, for a realtor and like 
just did it for them. And that was value add for that agent. Yeah, like any yeah. little thing. And you know, those those things, they, it pays off yeah. if you do it. Um, and you're consistent about it and you you really, uh, you know, offer them that, that service that you're here to partner with them. It's not just me calling, asking for a lead. Like it was more, hey, let me, I'd like to learn more about your business and see ways that I can maybe help you. Like it's, yeah. that was- Here's what I love about this, Andrew. It's boring. Everything you're talking about is boring, but it's effective. Mm. It is effective. And what I love about your open house strategy is, and, and it kind of correlates uh, recently, Housing Wire published an article that, that, that I wrote, and it was basically the gist of the article is you can do anything for hundred days, right? You extended that hundred days to closer to 240 days, but it's like, you can do anything. Yes, we want our weekends to ourselves. That's why we chose to be lenders and not realtors. But can you give up two hours a Saturday, two hours a Sunday? Let's call it three because you have to travel to and from. Yeah. Let's call it three and a half because you have to get dressed, right? I mean, yeah. but nonetheless, can you give up those three hours, six hours total for just six months? For just six months, if it's going to pay off the way that yours pay it off, and can you be genuine and just be there to help? Because I'm assuming that it was those open houses that built your base. Mm -hmm. From your base, you had a couple transactions. Those transactions introduced you to more agents. Those more agents introduced you to more agents. And next thing you know it, you're, turned, you're, you're waking up every day and you're funding darn near 150 to 200 transactions a year. You no longer have to work open houses, but you use that as your foundational support launch pad. That's right. So to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's just absolutely fantastic. There's a couple things that I want to get to before we, we run out of time. One is some advice you're going to have regarding team building. Because I remember you and I having lunch together. We were in Milwaukee. I think we were both flying out after like a manager meeting. And you had just gotten your first branch. And you're trying to figure out, oh, my God, I just forgot how to be a loan officer. Now you forgot how to be a manager. And we were talking about team building. So I'm going to fast forward a couple years from that conversation to see where you are today. And I also want to know, um, like you're in a situation where you're five years in the industry, but you're at your third mortgage company. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those was by choice. One of those was not by choice. And there's many people who are in your shoes right now. Many people are going to be forced to choose a new company, not by their choice, right? The, the purge is not over. What started in 2022, unfortunately, will bleed into 2023. And there's going to be banks that get rid of their mortgage company. That's what happened to you recently. And there's going to be mortgage companies who don't make it. And that is unfortunate. And there's also going to be mortgage companies who make changes and those changes don't align with that loan originator or that branch manager, and they're going to need to make a change. So I'm hoping you can maybe give like a couple pieces of advice based on your real life uh, uh, examples, and then maybe we can conclude. So I'm going to start with team building. You now have a team. Obviously, your team is what helps you maintain your production while also run your branch. What is one thing that, that you learned when building your team that you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I understood that early on? Yeah, I think that when building a team, it's extremely important to define like who who's going to do what. All right, and for me, uh, you know, there's it was like what am I not good at? And there's things there that I identified pretty early on. I'm like, hey, this is something I'm not good at. Get the contract comes in. I, I was sometimes procrastinated on initialing disclosures or um, kind of getting the the ball rolling, so to speak. So has now have somebody that, that does that on every single deal. Um, 
I think that when building a team, you need to make sure that they are there to, you know, they understand that they're part of what you do in terms of bringing in production and to help grow, you know, your your brand and and your t overall success as a branch. So I think that they need to really kind of buy into you yeah. and and they need to trust you and they need to, um, you know, uh, be a part of your story as a as a as an originator. So. I you love know. the word buy-in. Like, buy-in's what's worked for me throughout my career. I want them to be included. I want them to feel like they have a voice, but I want them bought into what we are trying to do as a team. Yeah. How about it's, this one? Yeah. What's something that maybe a mistake you made? Maybe you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I blundered there, that you could share so that if there's someone else who's currently listening or watching us, they're like, oh, thanks for giving me the heads up on that one, Andrew. I'll make sure I learn from your mistake, not go out and make it on my own. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, loan officer for me, you know, a mistake. I think that early on thinking that, you know, everything okay. is, is a mistake that I, you know, one, maybe two years into it. I think that, um, and even today, you know, it's like, I need to understand that you are constantly going to be learning new things and that it doesn't just get to the point where, Hey, I'm perfect. Like I know everything and I don't need, um, you know, to, um, lean on other people. Um, so I think that, um, you know, something that I now do that I didn't necessarily understand back then was that it's okay to lean on people and ask for advice and, you know, raise your hand, ask questions, no matter how, you know, successful you think you are. Um, I think that that would be a big piece of advice that I have for loan officers getting going that um, leaning on people that are a couple steps ahead of you yeah. is, uh, is a great way to uh, improve and quickly get better. Yeah, no, I, I like that, I like that a lot. What, what did you learn, because um, transition sucks. Like, I mean, we've been very fortunate in the retail production operation that I helped run. It's a large billion dollar region and it became a billion dollar region because we learned how to acquire other branches, how to successfully onboard and I tell anyone that I'm onboarding, I'm like, look, man, I think we do onboarding amazing mm. and it still sucks. Like I look at onboarding like a big pile of manure that we just spray perfume and cologne on so that it takes some of the stink out, but it doesn't take away from the fact it's a pile of manure. And you've had to onboard twice. Yep. Um, once it doesn't really, well, three times technically, if you talk about when you were a rookie LO, but that doesn't count because you're clueless. But what did you learn? Like you left Waterstone Mortgage on your own, right? You made that conscious decision that you're gonna leave that company and you're gonna go work for, help me out in the name of the company. So it was First Home Bank. First Home Bank. names to Bay First. Bay First, yeah, mm -hmm. I knew them as Bay First. Mm -hmm. And Bay First was owned by a bank, just like Home Bank, but their bank one day woke up, this was just a few months ago, and said, hey, we're closing our mortgage division, right? And that's common in today's market, right? I just heard of a bank up in Indiana that's probably doing the same exact thing. Right, but it's unfortunate for originators like you, um, or our buddy Ed Stratton, or there's even some guys I know here in Orlando. Shout out to Jason Scott, who were all colleagues of yours, and you're like, oh my gosh. Now Bay First did an amazing job by you all. They funded your loans, they got you paid, they let you take your pipeline. Like they really did. Like I commend them for that because the bank's still around, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. The bank's still around. The bank's still doing well. They just decided that mortgage wasn't a part of their future, and 
truth be told, guys and girls tuning in, when that does happen to you, if you're a producer, man, life moves on, right? You, you reach out to four or five people that you know in the industry, you schedule a couple interviews, and you try to pick the best solution for you going forward. Understanding that no one has a crystal ball, understanding that we still have another six to nine months of this purge, mm -hmm. and yes, you may end up going somewhere else and having that rug pulled from underneath you, at which point you just pivot and you roll with the punches. I know this because I lived through that. Yeah, I literally left Home Bank on my own because I thought they were going under, went to American Home Mortgage. By the way, American Home Mortgage went under and Home Bank went under, ended up at Countrywide. And while I was in training at Countrywide, I found out that Bank of America was buying Countrywide because Countrywide was going under. And I was like, WTF, I am not gonna work for Bank of America. And I ended up at Waterstone. That was 15 years ago. So that was my story, but I'm curious about your story, Andrew. So what did you learn through the good and the bad? Like, man, here's what I learned when I, when I left Waterstone, good and bad. Yeah. And here's what I, what I learned leaving Bay first, good and bad. So people can maybe even draw from those experiences. Yeah. When I, so Waterstone obviously started there, felt like I was at a, you know, this is the only company I know. Right. Yep. So I think that for me, um, that was a difficult decision. Um, it was a decision that I made based on the position that I was in, um, you know, trying to, uh, scale and, you know, hire employees and running the PL and being a branch manager, you know, financial decision that I felt that. Yeah. You were a loan officer at Waterstone. You were trying to become a producing branch manager, right? Okay. Yep. So, you know, that was a decision I made. And I think that for that um, advice I'd have would be that understanding that um, when you move, things are going to be different. It's going to be, even if they still use the same LOS system or point of sale and yep. so forth, I mean, things are going to look different. You're going to go through a, basically a new learning curve, kind of similar to when you first get started in the business in some ways. I mean, just learning different systems. Um, uh, I didn't necessarily weigh that piece in a lot of my decision making back then in terms of like, whoa, like you're working for a new company. You've got new HR, you've got new payroll systems you got to deal with, you know, clocking in, clocking out. Yeah, the way everything. you submit a loan to processing is different. The way that you request a lock extension is different. Like yeah. the, the automated emails that are triggered during the disclosure process is di is different. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole thing's different. So, um, I'd say, you know, making sure that you don't forget about some of those pieces of it, um, was something would be advice that I have, uh, learn that, um, that advantage to it though. Um, especially like you mentioned going through this two times that, you know, when you do change, it does give an opportunity to kind of rebrand yourself um, more positively and to use it as a as a method to kind of step up into whether it's a new role or um, you know gain with different referral sources that you want to maybe think about. Now you can pursue get, this company has a new program, or maybe my interest rate is lower here. Um, you know that is an advantage that you have when you do move that you get to rebrand yourself and and even within the company that you're going to i mean be able to um, you know um, form new relationships and, and and that sort of thing so 
I think that that's something to, to keep in mind. Moving sucks. Moving <laughs> tough. It's it's uh, not something that you want to do because it does slow down your current pipeline. Um, you have got to make sure that you have a transition plan um, that, you know, when Bay first announced it closed down, I didn't get to necessarily leave on my own terms. So it was a forced decision that I had to make in a short period of time. Very, very lucky to, to, to land on at Churchill. Yeah. Um, but they put that on us. And so I think you've got to, um, you know, ideally if you're going to make a move, make sure that you do it at the right time. Timing's everything and that you can do it on your own terms. And, uh, but for the most part, I think, you know, just moving, thinking that the grass is greener on the other side, all, a lot of times isn't, isn't the case. So, yeah. um, no, I, I've, I've learned that, right. It's different. Different's not better. Different is different. Not saying different can't be better, right? God only knows. I'm going to tell you as, as someone who runs a production operation, when I onboard someone, I'm onboarding them thinking it's going to be better. I'm going to support them better. I'm going to offer them better programs, better products, better systems, right? So you definitely onboard for that. But in reality, there are some onboards that work that way. And there's other onboards. I have friends that have onboarded at new places. And I call them like, hey, how do you like it? Yeah. They're like, oh, I love it. I'm like, oh, is it better? Oh, no, it's not better. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they're literally saying, I like the people I work with. I like the company I represent. It is not better from where, from where I left. Um, it's different, mm -hmm. but it's not better. Yeah. Um, and and that would be another learning point for me, like, getting started in the business, I didn't even consider relationships within the industry as something as part of my job almost, you know, and, and something that is going to play an important factor in how you, um, you know, grow and learning new ideas and being able to consult people. And, and um, so I think that it's okay, especially as a, as a new originator, again, to you know, make friends with other peers in the industry is something that advice I'd have. I love that. Like that's, that is probably the one piece of advice we, we can always close on because you know, there's value to working at different companies because you end up getting to learn other people's best practices. But the counter to that would be what well, you have to move companies. If you're happy with the company you are, if you're better connected, maybe you need to not be disruptive in terms of moving companies and you seem to be more involved in your industry, attend more, more trainings or more, more industry functions, right? Whether it's a Duncan event, it's a mortgage mastermind event, a core event, a TLOP event, like what have you. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes, by the way, you have to move. Whether you're forced to move, whether you're in a position in life where it's like, this is the best thing for me, even if where I end up isn't greener, it's different, but it's still good. Yeah. But your point of, as a rookie loan originator, you wish you valued networking within your industry I think that's where I'd want people to maybe uh, end on. But I'm going to ask you, where do you want to end on this? Like, we're going to wrap it up right now. Any any parting words, any great words of wisdom, right, coming from, I mean, what you have achieved, you're not even 30 yet. You've achieved income that people will, will not see in a lifetime, right? You look at the millions of dollars that you have earned in commissions in the past five years. That is more money than most people will earn in a lifetime, right? You look at the seven rental properties that you've been able to accumulate before 30, right? That is more real estate than most people will ever be able to, to, to achieve. Although you are young in life, you are old in experience. What is, what is a, a good Andrew Wagner, 
parting shot for the TLOP community that they can take with them, embrace it, and maybe even share it? Yeah, I think, you know, for, for me, and I think this goes for uh, people getting into the business, is that, um, you know, what you've always got to be doing is trying to increase my capacity in some ways. You know, like getting started was like doing three loans a month maybe felt like I was tapped out at that point in terms of just that's the maximum I can do. But it's like, no, like I can get to 10. I'm capable of doing 10. Like that's that's where I deserve to be. And then um, constantly gr- increasing your capacity in, in production um, and being intentional on trying to figure out ways to to continue to grow that number in terms of what you personally can handle. I mean, because you can hire a team and and have people do stuff, but even even then, you know, you personally still have to have that mental capacity and um, wherewithal and desire to keep doing more. So you have got to be, I think, constantly reviewing that, thinking about that, and working on ways that just personally to grow your your production. I love it. No, that that's sage advice for all, not just mortgage related, right? That's every entrepreneur, salesperson, business owner, I mean, out there, realtors, financial advisors, life insurance salespeople, like this is all of us in life. It's that capacity. Andrew, if people want to get a hold of you, what what's, are you an IG guy? Are you a TikTok guy? Are you LinkedIn? Like, yep. What's the best way to get a hold of Andrew Wagner with Churchill Mortgage out of Baltimore, Maryland? Yeah, LinkedIn. It's a great way to get a hold of me. Andrew Wagner on there. Um, w a g n e r. That's right. Yes. Yep. Not Wagoneer. No, this Wagoneer. is this is short and simple and to the point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. So yeah. a- Andrew Wagner on LinkedIn. Yeah. People yeah, my, can connect with you, message with you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Find me online pretty easily. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's a great way to get a hold of me. Nice. Well, dude, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, especially, you know, coming down, I mean, I know it's sunny Florida in January and you're leaving cold ass Maryland, but, uh, nonetheless, I do appreciate your time. I appreciate our friendship. Congrats on all your success. If you guys want to hook up with Andrew, find him on LinkedIn. He's Andrew Wagner. I'm Dustin Nolan. That's all the time we have for you today, but we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.